0: Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike, Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. We're here with uh, another guest host, Nora, who, if you recall, she's a HR business partner at Enbridge and uh, kind of shares all her wisdom um, from an HR perspective. And today we wanted to talk a little bit more on the recruiting side uh, because she's got a lot of experience, uh, especially on the uh, new hire in the campus uh, perspective. So sharing some of the different programs that she's been a part of and uh, some of the kind of tips and tricks for those that are interested in uh, making sure that they stand out from uh, from a recruiting process. So uh, yeah, Nora, if you do, don't mind sharing a little bit of some of the programs that you've been involved in, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start from there.
1: Thanks, Luki, and thanks for having me um, join you on your uh, podcast again. Appreciate it. And, and just to kind of um, summarize and give you some insight about my own personal recruiting background and some of the um, recruiting programs, specifically new programs that I've uh, I've been involved in. I have about five years, I've had about five years of recruitment experience, um, mainly focused on the energy sector, but I've had the opportunity to recruit for a lot of different roles over the years at all different levels, starting from entry-level new grad roles, all up to um, the executive role. And And one of the biggest Um, things that I loved about recruitment was actually new grad programs so um, it's a lot of fun the campus aspect of it and just managing the program and and also seeing um, entry-level career roles and and hires come into our organization and really develop throughout the year so that's um, something I always loved and and a few of the programs that I've hired in the past was um, specifically on the new grad side uh, for engineers so we have EIT rotations I've, I've hired a lot of EITs um for, for a four-year rotation to ultimately get their PNG. Um, I've done some CPA hiring. So again, similar concept to our EIT rotation, only with CPA. Um, with new accounting grads, it takes about two years um, to get their CPA. So hiring the, to them into a program that allows them to get that experience to successfully cool. get their CPA. And I've done a lot of co-op and internship hiring as well. Um, so in a nutshell that's you know the different types of uh, programs that I've been involved in and managed
0: in the past. Cool. So, so what are some, or are there any like key differences between them? So, uh, how how similar or different is hiring an EIT uh, or CPA or even an intern? Uh, because obviously an intern is, is for a slightly different thing. How similar or different are the process? So, if uh, someone is coming in uh, as uh, wanting a co-op or whatever is the process that much different than someone uh, as as a new grad um, uh, trying to land their first job?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, maybe we can look at the co-op and internships and, you know, how easy or how difficult, you know, the the main difference between your experience experience as a co-op and as a new grad. Um, Co-op and internships are are a lot of fun to hire for. There's usually a lot of... um, applicants for co-op and internship programs. So I'd say that's one of the biggest things that if somebody um, is interested in securing some kind of a co-op or internship during their undergrad which I think is, you know, extremely important um, just so you understand where you might want to go after you've uh, graduated and to start building that resume. um, I'd say the key is to applying to a lot of co-op and internships and early on in the process. So there's usually specific times where large organizations have set dates where they'll post the roles and set dates where they they will offer the roles. And a lot of times it's it's in advance of uh, an individual summer or their next semester. And what I always um, would tell people is think about the organizations that you'd really like to work for and do a little research ahead of time on the dates, the co-op internship uh, application process and the time and the recruitment timelines, because that is going to help you plan out your your application it'll give you enough time to also plan for um, the different types of interviews that you might go through and you want to give yourself that prep time because it's a new experience for you you might not have as much experience in the interview or application process you might need a little bit of help preparing and you might not be that comfortable with it yet so you really want to give yourself um that time and 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 plan it will help you to do that so that's something that i'd say about co-op and internships that also would, would be um, applicable to new grads, but um, I, I'd say co-op and internships a little bit more specific because it also depends on your um, semester planning and your school planning as well. Um, and, and for co-op and internship roles, looking if you're asking the different types of roles I've, I've hired for all kinds. So, you know, in the IT space, engineering space, and business, um, they, they haven't been specifically, they haven't been very specific. It's just summer internships and, and winter or fall co-ops.
0: Sounds good. So, yeah, that kind of echoes my experience. Though so I did, uh, led the campus recruiting program for uh, one of the big four firms on their tech consulting side, and uh, some folks would reach out, like, yeah, I wanted to get a summer internship, and and they'd reach out in like March, right? But not realizing that the cycle often happens uh, four months ahead of time, right? And and. Yeah. So March is way too late, <laughs> they have already hired everyone and, and they're like, oh my gosh, I missed it. Uh, so doing that research is so important. And uh, every company is slightly different. For the most part, it's kind of like two, three, four months, uh, depending on the cycle, right? And I I think even as I talked to some of the campus recruiting colleagues, they're even starting to recruit earlier where uh, they're going for, let's say a a summer internship. They're starting to to recruit in like the the November, December timeframe, whereas it used to be January. And uh, it seems to be like a a war on talent because the earlier you're in the recruiting process, the sooner that you can get like the really top talent. And then everyone wants to go a little bit earlier. So who, who knows that? So just make sure that you're aware.
1: It would also go for the other way as well. The earlier you start to apply, you know, the more selective or the more opportunities you get, you might be able to actually get a a role in your top companies that you've been interested in working in, so.
0: That's absolutely uh, true as, as well. So uh, for for uh, co-op and internship, what what's the process? So how many interviews would go through? Do, do you do like cases, like behavioral tech, like all those sorts of things that that are involved? Like what what would be involved in that? And and obviously it, it's more on a general sense, so not any specific ones. Sure. But, but what what could folks uh, what should folks start preparing for uh, in, in their co-op internship journey?
1: So for the co-op internship, at at least in in my experience and in the organizations that I've worked in the past and and work in, um, there isn't an extensive interview process. So you you wouldn't go through necessarily cases or or any kinds of online assessments ahead of time. Um, What you'd really wanna focus on is trying to differentiate your resume standing out. So having that um, relevant experience and, and, and articulating a strong resume because the applicant pool is competitive. In regards to the interview process, um, to prepare, I'd say really focus on your behavioral-based interview questions. If you can um, practice in front of the mirror or a friend, the interview process is is typically just a behavioral-based interview. in, uh, interview in person, sorry, and a phone screening with a, with a recruiter. And that phone screening is usually super high level. They just wanna understand your interest in the role, what you know about our company, um, and a little bit more about your availability. So that's for interns and co-ops, but our specific recruitment pro- uh, programs for new grads um, can get a little bit more technical and, 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 and has, a little, has a much more lengthy process just because the investment usually in these programs um, is upwards of four years.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, that echoes kind of my experience as well, where actually, if you really wanted a full-time job, the way to do it is to go through a co-op. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for us, we would actually, uh, um, well, not every time, but, but highly likely that you would get a return offer if you were in your like final term or whatever, graduating soon. Um, and oh. it, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a four-month interview anyway, because <laughs> if you're any good, they would go through that. But uh, to your point, the, the, it's less rigorous where it's more behavioral. We will have technical um, interview components, with, but it usually depends on the interviewer <laughs> and how tech savvy they, they and how tech detail they wanna get. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's kind of similar. Probably one, maybe two interviews at most uh, to kind of segregated into like HR and, and kind of behavioral functional. We might have like a senior manager um, type of interview as a senior leader if they really wanted to, to assess it. Uh, But yeah, so it kind of echoes that. Um, Yeah. So from from your perspective, if we we switch over, or did you have anything else to add for those that are uh, looking at uh, co-ops and internships?
1: Um, No, I I think that pretty much sums it up and, you know, never give up. (laughs) You know, patience kind of always wins in this process, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's one where folks can get kind of uh, de- dejected in the process when they don't land their dream thing, but that goes back to the starting early, and then you can kind of uh, get, get to whatever. Um, and if you don't get it uh, for their co-op and internship, uh, see if you can uh, get it through the, through the new grad <laughs> hires later exactly. on. Exactly. So, um, so as we flip to that, what, what are some of the, the timings, the processes, the, the logistics? Uh, when should folks start thinking about uh, applying if, if they're graduating soon?
1: Yeah, so you know that's that's interesting. Um, you have two different UGRAD grad roles. You have your basic entry level positions, and um, and and that's for every functional st- stream. So if you're interested in an organization, kind of keep your eye out on entry level roles. But we do have, and in my previous um, company as well, we had specific U-grad, um grad uh, programs. And and what I mean by program is, you know. For, for individuals that are studying um, specific professions that require some form of designation. So um, in, in my current organization, engineers um, and and CPAs, so accountants, and I'm sure for, for you looking in your previous um, in your previous career as well, um, you'd probably be looking at that from from an, from for accountants as well. So those types of programs, um, it's a little bit more rigorous because the investment in order to get your designation um, and and get you Fully certified, whether it's, for example, through a PNG or a CPA, it takes a couple of years and there has to be certain experiences um, that that individual goes through professionally. So our interview process is a lot more rigorous. Um, it Usually, and, and this is in general for uh, rotation programs and, and new grad programs we have, aside from that application screening, the phone screening, um, we do sometimes have online assessments um, and those assessments could be cognitive, they could be also behavioral questions. So we have Um, online assessments, and that's also part of the screening process. Um, And then we go through, usually it's about anywhere between three to four in-person interviews. And those interviews are a mix of technical questions um, along with behavioral based questions. In my current experience, we don't do case studies, but I think that's just because we're not a consulting organization. Um, So that skill set or that capability isn't something specifically that we might be focusing on as much as um, a big four, for example.
0: Sounds good. So, so yeah, it's definitely echo that where it is a little bit more rigorous. Um, and I was more on the, the consulting side, not the CPA side. So I never really uh, hired for accountants. Um, so, so they did their own thing. Uh, I don't think we ever did the, the online assessment thing. Uh, we, we tried to use a few tools uh, in, in the mix in some of the years we were doing it. There were some some, some screening tools, uh, but they, they didn't necessarily work out as, as, as good as, as we could. Uh, We have, depending on the year, have had uh, case interviews, Um, but at the entry level, sometimes we don't do it. Just because of the volume that we need, finding like interviewers can be so difficult. So uh, depending on the particular target that we have, then uh, we we used to do them more, but now we're actually, uh, we phase them out. I don't know when the new processes, if they found like a a good automation technique, Um, but I know that for the undergrad side, they do less of them. Or if you're coming in from a from a master's perspective, an MBA, then uh, yeah, you almost definitely <laughs> will get some sort of case interview. Uh, but on the undergrad, it, it's a little bit less so. Um, wh- what about like the, the timelines and things like that? So so what sort of um, timing should should I start thinking about? Should I should I do it uh, a couple of weeks before the day of I graduate? And of course, that's not when you do it. Like <laughs> when should folks start thinking about applying for their job after graduation?
1: You know, like I said, with new grad roles, that timing also differs for each organization. Some will start that recruitment six months in advance, some will start it the year before. And that's not saying that's that's with the assumption that they're not actually looking to utilize their co-op and intern talent pool, right? right. Um, so I would say, you know, during your last year, if you want to really start that job hunt, figure out what that recruitment process is and the type of programs new grad programs that all organize that the organizations that you're really interested in have. And that might mean, you know, going to an information session. A lot of times they have information sessions at schools because they know people are graduating, or just reaching out to a recruiter or an alumni or somebody that you know via LinkedIn. Um, and I would say that, yeah, Luki, you know, some you're going to find some roles for new grads that are posted literally a month before you're set to graduate um but some roles aren't right and some roles are going to be recruited for in advance for six months for the eit rotation program you know i've done that before i've recruited you know six months before and it's a very lengthy process so um figure out you know the ro- the organizations that you want to apply for and start using the whole year to, to plan that out and keeping your eye out on opportunities to apply
0: for sure, yeah. I know our cycle for the, the new grads, uh, if you were graduating in whatever, April, uh, April June, or April, May, whatever it is, <laughs> uh, then we would start recruiting for them the, the September before. Right, yeah. so that would be, uh, I guess, eight eight months ahead of uh, the graduation, uh, and then I believe they're actually starting to do that uh, a little bit more uh, frequently, or sorry, even earlier. So even starting in, in the August time frame for for uh, some of the prime targets, and uh, I, I know for, for those that are in master's program, uh, some of them will even do like at the beginning um, of, yes. of, the, of the program, where because it's only a year long program. Uh, or, or sometimes there's a two-year program. that they'll, they'll try to start you like right when you get in. So not only are you uh, starting your 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 master's your MBA, but you're also being uh, potentially courted by uh, all these different firms too. So it really goes home to the point of researching and figuring out what's relevant for the types of roles that you want, and when are the hiring? Um, are, where is the hiring taking place uh, on that side? So. I think that, that, that's great information. So now that you, you understand the timings and you've started applying and all that sort of stuff and you've uh, brushed off your resume and it's uh, it's uh, uh, great, how do you make sense of all that advice out there? So so uh, there's conflicting and different advice of like, uh, should it be a one page or two, or like objective statements, should different fonts and, and PDF, whatever. So. kind of your perspective or what are kind of like the the most tried and true ones that that you would say because uh, you've had to hire for different companies yeah um what what, what's kind of most important for you and then what are kind of like the pet peeves like absolutely not you want to make sure you don't do
1: um you know i'm just gonna say a general statement if you know you're debating with yourself excuse me, if your resume needs to be one to two or three pages, a recruiter would typically look at a resume and spend less than a minute on it, right? And that's when they're filtering it. So what that means is depending on how many years of experience you have and how technical your experience is, um, the shorter, the better. That's just the rule of thumb. So if you are a new grad, I don't know why you would have, you know, more than one one page. Um, because I'm assuming that your experience is in that length. Right? Um, if you are in your mid-career or later on in your career, maybe two pages. Again, it depends on how much experience uh, you have, but rule of thumb, the shorter, the better, the more concise and easy it is to read for a recruiter, um, the better your chances are getting, of getting that resume looked at again.
0: That's awesome. And in terms of any things in terms of like formatting and styles and fonts, so sometimes they have like the, the two-page resumes. They have, you know, the ones with like the little power bars of like uh, four or oh, yeah. five balls and stuff like that. Uh what are your thoughts in terms of that or like that 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 laundry list of all the different skills you have? Yeah. Um, are any of those relevant, important? Should I put color in it? Or like what what about all those things? Because those help uh help my resume stand out, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yes and no. I I think what's most important is um, when you choose a format, choose a format that makes it, again, easy for somebody to read and understand quickly, maybe see trends or patterns in your experience, and, 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 and it's concise, right? So when you're picking a format, don't try to pick a complicated format. And sometimes, I guess, Colors are nice. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, they are going to really pick up the resume that has the experience. Colors are nice, but if if you do want to choose a color, maybe choose something neutral, right? I've seen some resumes with a lot of funky colors that are applying to non-design roles, right? Um, And and it it can be a little Um, off-putting. Usually for me, it's better. Now, having said that, I think what's but also your LinkedIn, because that's kind of like your online resume. And a lot of times now jobs um, are actually linked. Job applications are linked to LinkedIn. And your recruiter might just prefer that. And and she's actually going to your LinkedIn first. Uh, He or she are going to the LinkedIn first before they look at your resume. right? You, You never know. So your LinkedIn is very, very important. It's kind of like your digital resume. So you want to make that consistent with your paper resume, because that is a big red flag if there's some inconsistencies right off the bat you know, that trust is lost, and that credibility is lost as an applicant. Um, And and you want to also make it um, professional, but don't be afraid to show a little bit of your personality, right? Whether it is the tone when you're writing a summary about yourself, um, or, you know, showcasing some of the extracurriculars you do, that could be telling with, um, could be very telling to somebody a little bit more about you, whether or not you fit in the company culture, um, and some additional experience that you might have in transferable skills, right? So those are just, some things I, I'd say about the resume, If some people also always ask me about cover letter. Mm. Are the cover letters important? Are they not? I think that this is very controversial, but I will say this as somebody who's worked in recruitment for five years. Um, for me, cover letters aren't actually important. I will probably only read a cover letter once I've selected and shortlisted a bunch of candidates and maybe take a look at you know the writing style. But that already um, is a little bit more telling to me from you know, looking at their resume or, or even their LinkedIn summary, right? So some organizations do have a option for you to download a cover letter. And if they do, I would say do it. Don't take a shortcut. Um, but if, a, if an organization doesn't, um, I wouldn't stress too much about it. A cover letter can also be very high level. Um, and for the most part, it could be generic. And you can update that based on uh, different roles, I would say.
0: Yeah, I would probably echo that sentiment that, uh, cover letter can often be good as as a tie break, right? So if you have a whole bunch of good resumes and they're kind of very similar, but they're not really exactly uh, how you want them, um, then comparing a a good cover letter or decent cover letter from someone else can definitely choose uh, one candidate versus another. Um, but for, from my perspective, what, what we would, what, what I would normally do is I would take a look at the cover. And if the cover letter seemed blatantly templated, like dear sir or madam, I'm applying to whatever, I, I just don't bother. Yeah. But if one of them actually sounds like, hey, this person took some effort where they either name drop or talk about something specific to the role or whatever, then I actually uh, give it a little bit of uh, a credence and and a little bit of weight to it. Uh, But that's uh, to your point, it's a bit controversial. It's a bit uh, preference uh, in terms of how they decide to do it. Um, So yeah, uh, I I think I would agree with the sentiment that if they have an option for a cover letter, Make sure to include it but if they don't well you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to, to add it um, but but for me uh, I, I would still do it just because uh, it could be that tie-breaking decision thing that, that actually uh, sets you apart so uh, i think that's great guidance so what about on the other side of, of pet peeves things that you absolutely will will like hate and say no if any of this is there then there's definitely a, a goner
1: yeah i mean something that you just said uh, the super, super generic, like dear sir or madam, <laughs> if I am reading a cover letter, right? Or, um, you know, um, and it should be a given, but I, I am going to say this, especially as a new grad or, or, or somebody in school trying to apply for co-op and internship positions, gram- grammatical and spelling mistakes. You know, even if you've reread your resume several times, get another eye to look at it because, you know, you might be just, Missing something because you've been looking at it for so long. So make sure that that is um, perfect, as perfect as it, it can be. Um, you know, you're, I've seen scenarios where somebody has an amazing, amazing resume and, um, you know, forgot to change the company on their on their um, <laughs> cover letter. Right. And and, and it's such a shame because their resume is, you know, fantastic. And sometimes we look over that. Sometimes we don't. But it's 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 a big red flag for, um, for organizations. So that's a pet peeve. And inconsistencies and I think I've mentioned that before you know inconsistencies in your resumes if you're applying to a a company for multiple roles because they will have multiple roles usually don't use different resumes um, because their applicant tracking system will track that so that Mm. is a huge inconsistency and make sure that there's no inconsistencies between um, LinkedIn and and your resume right so those are just a little bit of my pet peeves and bad formatting as well Mm.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I definitely echo all of that. Uh, what I would also add is is what I call fluff, right? So it's basically yeah. those kind of words that you're you're self starter, you're taking initiative, and blah 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 blah. And it's like. Okay. <laughs> and what did, <laughs> what, what did that actually tell me about you? Like, yeah. uh, give me an example, show me how you did it, um, and, and make it a little bit more concrete. And then I, I start believing you. But a lot of those words that, uh, yes, you use the thesaurus, and yes, you're able to find kind of the fancy way of saying it, but uh, it, it doesn't necessarily help to, to, to add to that, right? So uh, I think that, that's, yeah. that those are some things definitely to be avoided.
1: So. Something that I actually did when I was a new grad was to, you know, to expand on what you said. Um, you know, show me how, or give me examples, and in some cases, what I actually did was, you know, a couple of points below, and, and this might not work for everybody's resumes, but I actually wrote some specific achievements, right, mm-hmm. so, um, and it was um, almost like a section in my resume, and, and it was formatted in a way that it still worked, and it wasn't too wordy, and that helped actually drive the conversation with a lot of my phone screens and interviews.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that uh, done, but uh, yeah, maybe that'll be the, all the rage <laughs> in the, for, for the new hires. Um, I, I think for, for me, one recommendation that I'd have is as you go through your, uh, the bullet points on your resume is take a look at those bullet points and see if you can upgrade them, right? And what I mean by that is turn them from uh, activities to achievements, because a lot of people will say what they did but if you can actually put like a number, something, uh, an accomplishment to say how many percentage or how many dollars or how many whatever that you've done, uh, that can go more and, and add a little bit more than just saying, I did it, right? Um, so those are some of the types that, that I would uh, often uh, look for uh, as well when we were kind of recruiting in for us because we were looking for the whole packages we definitely wanted things like extracurriculars and things like that we didn't want the person that had only like the 4.0s and the dean's list and and scholarships and all that sort of stuff yeah that's great but if you had uh, kind of zero uh, hobbies or extracurriculars or whatever um, then, then it wouldn't necessarily sit as well and of course if you have relevant work experience you got to make sure to do that, even if it's uh, not related. So if it's a part-time job or whatever, uh, that can still give you some some bonus marks because I know that you can work. I know you can show up on time. I know yeah. uh, you, you can do that. So, so make sure you... You uh, include all that that useful stuff as well. Um, so, what what are some other considerations that that or recommendations you provide for someone going through the recruiting process? How how could they stand up? Are there other ways to 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 kind of get to the front of the line um, f- from a, from a recruiting perspective as a as a co-op intern or as a new grad?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, by just submitting your application doesn't mean that you're, you're actually going to get a call back. Um, I, I forget the statistic, but there was like a crazy small percentage of resumes that actually get looked <laughs> uh, and seen by a recruiter for, for every role. And I, it was something like 10% or even less. Um, I just can't remember exactly. So there are a couple of things that I tell people and I've done in the past that have actually worked. Um, so it's networking. And that's key. So whether it's networking earlier in the stage when you know what kind of organizations you're interested in or networking during the the job process, but ideally you want to have already built those relationships ahead of time. Um, And you don't only have to network with recruiters or HR professionals. A lot of time when it comes to applying the pull won't only come, the pull of the the, the applicant pool or the recommendation won't only, won't only come from an HR, but will also come from the business. So if you're interested in a certain area or function in, let's say, you know, a Bell or Rogers or a RBC, I'm, and I'm just giving very big um, examples, like larger organizations, you might want to connect with an alumni that's in that business function, right? Or a manager and just have a conversation. And that'll also be telling um, and give you some insight is, if this is the right fit for you as well, right? If, if there's that, um, that mutual fit and whether or not you wanna focus your applications on it. So that's um, an area and that can happen through LinkedIn. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you're able to um, get a person's email off LinkedIn, schedule a chat or a call, that's what I'd recommend. That's what's really going to help you um, get your application at the top. And then also, what you said, limpy earlier, extracurricular and volunteer opportunities, you'll network, you'll learn, you'll meet a lot of people, um, and it'll help you give some more, um, it'll help you put some more experience on your resume just because of the limited time in the workforce that you have, right? So those transferable skills will really help you out when when you are applying and, and you will, you're starting to get into your first role.
0: Yeah, I think I would echo all of that. What I would probably add to it is is those extracurriculars, those volunteer activities that you do, chances are you'll be encountering some sort of working professional, right? So whether it be a supervisor and they're probably a volunteer as well, but learn about them, right? So uh, they might not be doing anything that you're interested in, but chances are uh, that their, their brother, their sister, cousin or roommate or whatever uh, has a, a connection or is working at a company that you would love. And because they've seen you uh, show up and volunteer and, and come like every day on time and you're always adding value, you're always putting up your hand. Well, those are the type of people that we wanna hire, right? So leverage those opportunities. Uh, if you have a, a panel of, of guests Get to know them a little bit more above and beyond and, and that's a little bit of the, the bonus of, of organizing and being a part of the leadership team to do this is you get access to those folks so, so leverage those opportunities and what i would also add is is, is the follow-up right because oftentimes folks are at a networking event and they meet someone but as a recruiter i'd meet like 50 100 200 people in a night and then i would do it like three nights uh, out of the week times like four weeks or something so I can't remember anybody <laughs> throughout the whole session. Yeah. Um, so, but it's the ones that are truly memorable are the ones that follow up a week after, a month after, a term after, a year after, whatever, and say, hey, Luki, how's it going? Do you remember me and stuff? And hopefully add uh, some value and, and remember the conversation and, and say that, hey, I know I remember that you like this or you were interested in this. Here's an interesting resource, article, post, or whatever sure. on that. So building on that relationship and not just making it, that one uh, interaction and in that transaction that hoping that you're, you're uh, gonna find that, that, that whale or elephant or bear that you're hunting for, um, but really planting seeds and, and growing them over time. Uh, and the sooner that you can do it, the better. But I mean, if you put it off until your last term before you graduate, well, this is probably the next best thing that you can do, right? But uh, yeah, if you can plan ahead, <laughs> that, that's always the idea. So, uh, are there any other things that, that you would suggest for folks uh, to, to kind of undertake or consider uh, as they're uh, new grads heading out into the real world?
1: You know, and I I said that patience is something that's needed. I would also say persistence is key in keeping. And I know that you and I have spoken about this. It's just keeping that momentum. And if you don't have a job, almost make it this your full-time job Um, because it is very competitive. Um, Everybody's trying to get the same roles as you and graduating at the same time. So just keep your eye on the ball. And it's a process that you probably will experience a lot of rejection from. It's normal, right? Um, And and just make sure that that's not personal. It's not you. And just keep your eye on your goal. So that's some, um, I mean, mental health, have mental health checks, just personal ways to manage the process.
0: For sure, and from that persistence perspective, uh, a story comes to mind. There was a, I think there's a senior VP at, at, uh, at Microsoft, I believe he was at, um, but anyway, a, a big software company. And he said that on graduation, he had, uh, he had four offers uh, out of 16 interviews after eight eight hundred applications, right? So that kind of shows like the numbers that you have to go through, and I don't know if that's typical, but it's probably in and around that range. So so for those of you yeah. who have sent like ten applications out, you need to get a little bit more than that and and, and get going on that. Uh, but yeah, keep 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 the uh, persistence up and the mindset up and, and it's one of those things like if you ever get into sales that uh, every no is one step closer to your yes. <laughs> so so having those types of attitudes would be great. So um, I think that that was a lot of great information. So thanks Nora for sharing your insights and I think it'll give a, a lot of new grads some um, considerations that uh, hopefully they'll, they'll start planning early in their process. And uh, for, for, for those getting in, we'll give them hopefully some insights into uh, being more effective in their job hunt. So uh, thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back for our future topics.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at LukiDanu. L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U and the same on most social media platforms and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.